Welcome to the Buff Show. Buff Show. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Great to have you with us heading into the new year. This is the last show before we start our new weekly program Monday through Thursday next week at 9 p.m. And also, we got many great things lined up for you for that show. More Buff Show. And it's going to be awesome. Check out Liam Fitzpatrick's for your headquarters for New Year's Eve. It's going to be fun. The Shamrock, Shamrock drops at midnight. All right. We had breaking news overnight. Ghislaine Maxwell gets uh, hit with five out of the six charges. And nobody better to talk about this than Dr. Carol Lieberman, MD, known for known worldwide as America's psychiatrist. And she's host of the Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com and the Terrorist Therapist podcast. She's a forensic psychi- uh, psychiatrist, expert, and witness, best-selling award-winning author of four books, two on terrorism and two of them on relationships. Carol, couldn't have a better time to have you on The Buff Show. Yes, it's perfect. Thank you. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of unanswered questions. It just felt like there was no justice. When we look at what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, and apparently he did not kill himself. It was something out of a movie where they turn off the cameras and all that. And now we're sealing up books here in the Ghislaine Maxwell case. Yes, it is outrageous. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. <laughs> that was too convenient. Um, yes, I think it was a travesty. You know, when you think yesterday, when they announced the verdict, um, everybody was dancing on her grave. You know, all of the people on television, all of the people in, in person, uh, they were dancing on her grave. It was, you would think that this was the biggest murderer, you know, that ever existed. And they finally uh, found her guilty. And when you compare that, I was just thinking this morning about this. When you compare that to people who are getting out every day from jail um, no bail, you know, uh, low bail, no bail, and going out and committing crimes, killing people, you know, like the man in uh, Waukesha, for example. That's who uh, I was thinking of when you said that. Yeah. Yes. And and it, it, people hardly raise an, eye, an eyebrow. And Gillian Maxwell, the biggest criminal in the world, yay, she got, the, you know, found guilty on five out of the six. It, it's really crazy. Yeah, it certainly is. And it was once again a trial by media. Even though it wasn't open to the public, there was an expectation and the jurors knew that. But that's, we have to look at that. What was her criminal involvement in this enterprise of pedophilia? Um, We want her, I mean, when she's going around to playgrounds and stuff like that, that is extremely troubling. And she probably... But what do you think about her access to these third-party individuals that they're keeping sealed? You mean the um, you mean the, uh, the the alleged victims or the people she might name? The people she might name first. <laughs> yes, um, I know. Well, of course, her lawyers have already said that they're going to appeal, and I think they have some decent grounds. Um, I think it is going to be very interesting to see, you know, it's going to be trading names for years, basically. You know, I'll give you so-and-so if you take off five years. Um, I mean, there are some people who I wouldn't mind uh, seeing her name, and there are others who I would not like her to name. Like who, for example, would you not like her to name? Well, you know, there... There are there is the damning picture of Prince Andrew, for example, the damning picture. We don't really know what he did, 
But um, and then, of course, there are pictures of Trump with Epstein, not any uh, evidence that he did anything. But there are pictures, you know, uh, just like at, at Mar-a-Lago or, or so on. I mean, she she who, she could name people who really didn't do anything, you know, and just to um, get them tried or just to get fewer years. So uh, I wouldn't mind her naming Clinton, on the other hand. <laughs> that would be, uh, uh, you know, a long, long time coming. Um, what, what do you think of the picture that was found with Clinton in a blue dress? Wasn't that very strange? Clinton in a blue dress? Yeah, in Jeffrey Epstein's stuff, they found that painting oh, of yes. Bill Clinton's face on a woman's body with a blue dress. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, in reference to Monica Lewinsky, but, um, you know, like making sort of a parody of that, I presume, but I mean, he has lots of pictures. He was keeping pictures to, as, as security, you know, um, as his way of sort of keeping these people doing what he wants them to do. So, I mean, it is very sad. And I don't mean to come off as saying that I think that abuse, (laughs) child abuse is okay. Um, you know, I, as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, um, I, I have done lots of child abuse cases. I mean, not just child abuse, but I've done lots of those. I've been doing it for over 20 years, so I've <laughs> included in that. Um, and so most of the time I've been on the side of the victims and they have really been abused. I mean, there really is real evidence and I do a psychiatric evaluation of them where I weed out the malingerers from the people who were really abused. Like for example, the people who were uh, abused by priests. I did a lot of those cases. Um, And I've also done cases on behalf of the alleged perpetrators. And it is amazing how, you know, there really are women who who make this stuff up. Now, sometimes sometimes it's not, uh, as a malingerer, that means that you are doing it for secondary gain. And these women in Gislin's uh, Gilin's trial, certainly they wanted the attention and they've already gotten a ton of money from Jeffrey Epstein's fund, but they love the attention. You can just tell from the pictures that there were the video of them coming to court in these outfits, you know, um, courting the media. But, and so there are women who really do lie about these things, as I said, either for these secondary gains or some of them aren't lying per se, but their own background um, makes them feel as though such and such happened. And you have right. to weed those things out. And I, you know, I don't know why the defense um, it, it didn't, I mean, they did have the psychologist, uh, Dr. Loftus, who talked about memories. But I, I have not seen that they had a psychiatrist, a forensic psychiatrist, examine the accusers to see if any of them are malingering. Uh, to, you know, to, to do a whole, you know, it's a whole day's worth of psychiatric interview and psychological testing. I didn't hear about any of that coming out. Well, no, we didn't. And it was very tough to get information from this trial, but we didn't see any of that right there. Let me ask you this, because if we look at what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, and then we're looking at the sealed little black books of Maxwell, even though she was found guilty, it just seems like there's somebody trying to protect somebody else and it goes pretty high up. Yes. I mean, do you have something, somebody in particular 
In well, my- I'm not. I'm asking you because you've studied this. I, I just don't know because if you like plot a movie style murder on somebody, you'd be a pretty powerful po- person to do that. How right. far up do you think this goes? <laughs> do you mean Freaky Lynn or, or or Jeffrey or both of them? I mean, or both of them, the whole enterprise, the I whole mean, I, island. I would say. <laughs> I would say. Um, at, Certainly Clinton is is involved. There's no question of that. And he has a lot of clout. We know he's done a lot. He and Hillary have done a lot of other things that have been very um, mysterious, suspicious and all of that. So certainly uh, he, he certainly has the power to do that. But, you know, there are a lot of things that bother me about this case as a forensic psychiatrist, one of them was, did you see, I'm sure you did yesterday, you know, the the jurors, first they sent out all these um, requests to the judge. They wanted to see six different witnesses. They wanted to read the testimony of six different witnesses and one of them in a binder, which I don't quite get, you know, why did it have to be in a binder? But in any case, so they, they did that. And then when the judge was announcing about how, um, they're going to have to stay through New Year's. I mean, she said that, I think, in the morning. But but anyhow, they sent out these requests. And then it seemed like just, you know, an hour later, all of a sudden they had their verdict. Now, how is that possible? What do you read from that? Because it, what else did they pull from questions? Did they pull anything else or was it just these testimonies? Well, that was yesterday, these testimonies. Um, they did ask for other things. They asked the judge, for example, for a definition of enticement. Um you know, but I mean, hmm. I, they seem to have been, they seem to have been trying to carefully weigh everything, uh, but then they didn't stay through Christmas and the judge was right. You know, it could have been a mistrial because if somebody, if one of the jurors got COVID and then uh, really would have exposed all the others, that could have been a mistrial. Um, so the judge was right in asking them to stay through the days. They should have stayed through Christmas to do it. But in any case, it just it just really seems there's something very um, inaccurate, inappropriate by them all of a sudden coming to conclusions. Um, and, you know, there was some uh, some statements by um, one of the accusers um, after the verdict about how um, she was trying to to say, explain, because I've been talking about this, how, you know, in all the cases that I've worked on, these these people who were sexually abused, these children or teens, um, well, more children, really, you don't really see it as, as frequently in teens unless it's um, a parent or an uncle or something like that. But um, in most cases, these people are um, it's in a sense, locked up in where they are. I mean, like if they're in a family situation, they're not literally locked up, but they are, you know, they, they can't go out and find a, another mother and father or, you know, uh, or the priests, they, they were, uh, their parents were so, uh, you know, involved in the church and they, they didn't want to tell their parents that they, that the priest was abusing them. They didn't what they were, they didn't want to break their parents' heart basically. Um, but in these cases, the there wasn't anything they weren't trapped they they were allowed to go home and this one accuser yesterday was saying that um even though they weren't trapped physically they were trapped because Guillen um used the the promises you know of of all these different things that they promised them to help their career and to you know to pay for school and they gave them all these 
money for different things and take them, took them to all these parties with famous people. I mean, well, that's not Ghislaine's fault. You know, they had the choice whether to keep coming back or not. So you think the charges were way too much? Yes. I'm not saying she should have gotten off scot-free, but, um, but I think it was overkill. Absolutely. And now you see that this moves forward to trade names for years. Yes, right. <laughs> this is going to be the most, you know, we weren't allowed in the courtroom, you know, so a lot of people really wasn't, weren't following it as closely. Um, but, I, and I don't know that we're going to, we're well, we're going to at least hear, see, that was interesting too. You know, the defense asked for, and I guess this is going to be part of their appeal. The defense asked for, uh, asked to be able to have some witnesses come in who didn't want their names their real names to be used. Um, and, and the judge wouldn't allow that. Whereas she allowed that, of course, for some of the alleged accusers. So I th think that's, you know, so presumably some of those people who didn't want their name used um, were some high profile people. No. Otherwise they wouldn't care about that. So that, um, and then of course, you know, when the judge didn't allow that so a degree of anonymity. I don't know how much anonymity they would have had because it would have been hard to sneak them in, but I guess it would have been possible. But then again, the jury would know who it was. So eventually people would know, but in any case, um, so that, you know, the judge didn't allow that and we didn't really see any famous people coming in to testify. So um, that is going to be part of their appeal, I believe. And this is going to be the the more interesting part of the case when she, if she, if, well, there may not actually be a trial. It may just be a plea bargain where you don't really get to see or hear, you know, what went on. But, um, but to the extent that we're going to know, that's going to be the interesting part. Dr. Carol Lieberman, stay with us on the Buff Show. We have a lot more to cover on this case and much more. We'll be right back on the Buff Show. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hour drafts every day of the week and all day Sunday. Dollar off drafts and house wines, $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events tonight. It's Taco Tuesday on Thursdays. Live music and specials all night on tacos, tequila, and margaritas. Friday's live music and happy hour, then brunch with $10 champagne over the weekend. Mention the Buff Show, get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com. Get ready to take down a phone number and website address. Everybody's talking about solar, specifically about solar electricity. And there are a lot of bold claims being made about it. Maybe someone told you that a one-size-fits-all solar system will work for you. You can go off the grid. You can create a power plant on your roof and retire from selling the extra energy back to your power company. Or maybe you saw the TikTok claiming the government's giving away free solar. The list goes on. All Solar is committed to working with homeowners directly to offer them a dose of reality. All Solar Energy has been providing Floridians with solar pool heat, solar electric, and other energy reduction products since 1999. In addition to homeowners, All Solar is the number one choice for roofing companies, property management firms, national sales teams, and even other solar companies. To learn what's really possible and if solar will even work for you, call them or go to their website and request a free energy evaluation. 
Spend some time with an expert and get all your questions answered about your specific energy-saving needs. Learn about how you can reduce your electric bill before you consider solar. Make a fully informed decision so you don't have regrets down the road. What do you have to lose? Here's their number, 866-412-4218. And the website, www.allsolarenergy.com. Welcome back to The Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM. The answer, Orlando, we got to continue this conversation here with Carol Lieberman, America's psychiatrist and host of Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com. Also, four books, award-winning books from Carol, two on relationships, two on terrorism, and you get called all the time to be a witness in trials and things like that. I want to dive a little bit more into Maxwell's past because we were talking offline how you said people were dancing on her grave because she thought she was this rich, luxurious person. Talk more about her past and, and who she is. Yes. Um, I know some people are probably thinking, why am I sympathetic to her and so on? And it's not, um, you know, again, I certainly don't condone uh, child abuse of any kind. Um, but, you know, I do have some compassion for her. Yes, she lived this, you know, very exciting life and so on. Some people could think, you know, you could say, could say, well, she had all of this. She had like 10 times the life of a lot of people, you know, experiences and so on. But um, she, she what, what got her to this point, point, just like with everybody, it has to do with your childhood, right? And uh, she was born the youngest of nine children. And um, what, she was born on Christmas Day. And a few days after she was born, her older brother, he was 15, was uh, in a car accident. And he was in a coma after that for about the next six years. And the family was broken and they gave all of their attention to this, um, this one child who was in a hospital near where they lived. And, uh, and Ghislaine uh, didn't really get, you know, people didn't seem to know that she was there. And so one day when she was three or four years old, she went to her mother and she stamped her feet and she said, I exist. And that kind of woke people up, woke up her parents in any case. And uh, her father started uh, spoiling her, her mother too. But her father, she became the favorite child of her father. And uh, he named his ship after her, his yacht and so on. And, uh, and then, and interestingly enough, he died off that uh, yacht um, in very strange circumstances, similar to Jeffrey Epstein, because they never really could figure out whether he committed suicide, whether he was killed or whether it was an accident. Uh, in any case, she was madly in love with her father, you know, but he was a tyrant. Even though she was his favorite, he was still a tyrant. And when he died, that is after he died is when she um, met Jeffrey Epstein and started, you know, being his girlfriend. And she was looking, he was a bad boy. We, we all will agree that he was a bad boy. And that was one of, it is one of my books, my first book, Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them. So she was unconsciously attracted to him. And she was, she was obsessed with him. I mean, I think uh, under normal circumstances, she, I mean, she, certainly she knew that this, whatever it is that she did, was wrong. And, um, and yet she would have done anything to keep him. She was afraid of his abandonment. She didn't want him to abandon her like her father did by dying. So she was just in a very kind of 
obsessive way. Um, you know, if she would have gotten therapy along the way, it would have been better. But in an obsessive way, she um, just did whatever she had to do to keep him with her. Now, that does not excuse her from everything. I am not saying that. I'm just trying to give an explanation for why, why she did what she did. Well, no, that is fascinating. And I did not know that about her father. Um, that'll be very interesting to look into more as this develops for sure. What specifically did she do? What was she on trial for? What specifically, we all know the charges, but talk about the charges as far as what she did for Jeffrey. Well, I mean, the charges basically come down to um, that she enticed or she uh, went out and found um, or girls um, who, young girls who, uh, and brought them back and, you know, sort of lured them in, enticement, uh, lured them in. I mean, the one charge that she was not found guilty of was enticement. They, they all sound the same, really, but in, this was enticement to uh, travel across state lines for sex. So I don't know why they couldn't. It just seems strange that that was the one that they didn't feel there was enough evidence for, I guess, which I, I don't understand that. But um, but anyway, the idea was that she was guilty of enticing these girls, promising them all these things, doing things with them, taking them shopping, making them uh, making them feel that she cared about him and that Jeffrey cared about them and um, that she cared. She and he cared about them, their well-being, bringing them to all these events and so on. And um, and well, I mean, some of them are. See, this is the part, too, uh, that doesn't ring true. Um at first, these accusers and all of the accusers uh, that even, the, you know, we only saw four. Um, but in general, the accusers were accusing Jeffrey Epstein and their depositions and all of the things that they had to say were about how horrible Jeffrey Epstein was and all the bad things that he did. And now that he isn't here, um, they put they had to sort of scurry, you know, and and say that, um, oh, well, Ghislaine did this and that too, or she was there, or, you know, they added all these things, they added her in, whereas it had all been, uh, or the, for the most part, it had been against him, like it varied, you know, some of them mentioned her, but really, the focus was on him, he was the bad guy. And now that he wasn't there, and they couldn't have him on trial, all of a sudden, they had to change their story and make her the bad guy, the worst guy, right? Mm -hmm. It was really, she was the worst. Now some of them are saying afterwards, oh, well, she was the worst one in the whole, she was, I blame her more than Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, you do, because, <laughs> because she was on trial. And because now you can go after money from her. I, I, I mean, maybe I am jaded after 20 years of being a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness and seeing women who do, and men too, there's, you know, sexual abuse um, or alleged sexual abuse of men as well. But um, you can't just buy it. You, you know, this whole thing, the Me Too, where if a woman says something, you should just believe her. That is not true. I mean, that I have insane. to prove it. That is insane to say just believe her because somebody just makes a charge. That That is no society where it can sustain. <laughs> Yeah, what do we need courts for, right? 
Yeah. If if you don't like a guy, you can just say he sexually assaulted you and lock him up just because he made you mad. I mean, we got to be careful with that stuff. I mean, there was when it comes to me, too, there was a lot of credible information yeah. being put out there. Yes. But, I'm not saying that all these were lying. Too far. Not yeah. a, I'm not at all saying that all of these accusers are lying. Not at all. But like, for example, um, you know, for some, in some cases uh, where it's not an out and out lie, some cases um, the woman was abused, let's say was sexually abused by someone, but it wasn't the man that she is alleging. And she may have projected um, the abuse onto this man. You know, in other words, she may in her mind really believe that it was a certain man when it was really someone from her childhood Um who and she just you know put all of those feelings onto this man unconsciously. So I'm not saying that all of these anybody who you know claims they were sexually abused is lying, but in some cases, um, there are other reasons. In some cases, also, you know, it's um, a woman is dating a man, well, like at work, for example, a woman uh, and a man start having a relationship of some sort, and the woman is expecting that he's going to leave his wife for her. And he leads her to believe that. And let's say it's her boss. And then down the line, he decides, wait a second, I'm not going to leave my wife for her. And he tells her. And all of a sudden, now she claims that that sexual relationship that was consensual, now she alleges it was sexual abuse. Those are some of the cases that I've been involved in. And I hope the right decision came out of those cases. I hope that was exposed. <laughs> yes, yes. <for> Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you know, when when it was the woman, uh, the sexually abused victim, yes, she got her justice. And when it was the man, uh, the alleged abuser, he got his justice. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. So as we said in the beginning of this interview, when it comes to Ghislaine Maxwell, they really pinned all their hatred they had for Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein onto her. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, I think we covered it pretty good. We got to see what happens next because clearly there's, when we talked about justice, there's none here yet. It doesn't seem like there's a finality to this case at all. And trading names for years, that's going to be a big deal depending on what she feels is appropriate to say. And that is very troubling. <laughs> yeah. You know, which also means, um, I'll just say this last thing, that uh, her life, is in danger as well. Yes, it is. I mean, we don't want to get Andrew Weissman in there from the Mueller investigation trying to coerce her into giving, you know what I'm saying? We, we don't want people talking to her with a political agenda, that's for sure. Well, right, right, absolutely. Well, Carol, Carol Lieberman, I want everybody to check out her books. Check out the, uh, check her out on voiceamerica.com, the Dr. Carol's Couch Show, and the Terrorist Therapist Podcast. So great to have you and all this wonderful insight. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. We're going to see what 22 brings us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. You guys stay with us on The Buff Show. We'll be right back. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. 
Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionplusprissurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. Since 2012, Cellulartronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair and electronics repair. We fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. We also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up, back covers are only $120. We have two locations to serve you in Sanford and DeBerry. Visit Cellulartronics.com or call 407 407- 7302-3396. That's cellulartronics.com or 407-302-3396. Welcome back to The Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM. The answer, Orlando, my Buff, your host. One of the big stories of 2021, of course, was censorship. Absolute censorship across the board. You guys know about the stuff on Twitter with President Donald Trump, but you also know about doctors and authors and everybody else who were censored. And it may have cost people's lives when there's no second opinion allowed. It's unreal, the censorship that's going, and it goes deeper than you think. Let's bring on Tony Lyons to the Buff Show. He's the president and publisher of Skyhorse Publishing. You got over 10,000 books in print, and you've been fighting censorship in numerous books. Recently, the Robert F. Kennedy book, The Real Dr. Anthony Fauci. Tony, welcome to the Buff Show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's awesome to talk to you because um, when people find out that there's a great book about Anthony Fauci, they're going to want to read it. But what is the story and what are the issues you guys are running into with Skyhorse Publishing? Sure. Let me tell you the basic story here. So on the one hand, it's the best-selling book in America. So the real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., so best-selling book in America, it sold over 500,000 copies in all formats in six weeks. It was a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, number one USA Today, number one Publishers Weekly. And, uh, but then the New York Times made it number seven for some, some reason, which I'm happy to talk about later because it's kind of a fascinating story. But basically, in the face of, of you know, all of this happened in the face of a total media blackout from the normal sources. So no major newspaper ran a review of the book. You can't advertise for it on big tech platforms. Bookstores all across the country are not carrying it, telling people that they can't get it or, or that they just don't carry it and, and, and won't even uh, uh, back order it for them. And libraries all across the country are refusing to carry it, even though people come in and ask for it. So you know, this is censorship at, at every conceivable level. And the justification that, you know, many of these places give is that they say that it's misinformation, which has sort of become the euphemism for censorship in this new sort of 1984 world that we're living in. So this is a book with 2,194 citations. It was vetted by doctors and lawyers and scientists. It's got a blurb from a Nobel Prize winner. I mean, this is a very serious, meticulously researched book. And yet all these major newspapers can come out and say, don't read the book. We're not going to review it. 
it's misinformation just you know based on its title and that's a kind of a crazy situation in the united states to have that level of censorship and they even take it one step further where even though they won't discuss the book many of the major newspapers in the country have come out with hit pieces to try to discredit the author saying everything bad just lumping on everything bad they can say about the author but ignoring all the allegations in the book the term misinformation is loosely and widely used as a lazy form of censorship you're exactly right they call it misinformation. Well, what specifically would be misinformation? Oh, well, we don't know because we haven't read it. That's the problem. The amazing thing, and I, I was glad to have you on because I saw this article on the Washington Times where publisher blast total media blackout of Robert F. Kennedy's bestseller. This was, um, this was written on the Washington Times. You guys can check it out by Valerie Richardson. Great article because it really highlights the grassroots movement that came. I mean, for a book to shoot up to number one in America and everybody's checking it out, that is the biggest grassroots movement for a book we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it's almost like readers are just, you know, tired of being, or, or people all around the country, whether they, they're, they're big readers or not, are just sort of tired of being told what to do, tired of being told what to think, and definitely tired of being told what to read. So the fact that there's such an incredible, and, and so you know, easy to recognize, uh, almost like a plot to prevent you from reading this book, that, that makes people want to read it because people realize that, that the history of this country is about dialogue and debate, and it's about diversity of opinion. And, you know, there's, there's none of that going on. Like you said before, you know, doctors who disagree with the mainstream narrative, writers who disagree, they're all deplatformed. And, you know, they they can't send tweets. They their Facebook pages are taken down. I mean, this is not supposed to happen in the United States. And that's detrimental, like I said, to people's lives in some cases when it comes to the doctors. This book, um, we, we look at Anthony Fauci, right? <clears throat> He's like the patron saint of Wuhan. You've heard all the things. I mean, they they get mad at us for joking like that, but they actually treat him like some sort of patriarchy. Like you cannot say anything against this man. He's infallible. Yeah, and and that's crazy when you think about the fact that this is supposed to be a democracy and our leaders are are supposed to have to answer allegations. So this book is is an incredible indictment of Dr. Anthony Fauci, you know, showing corruption over a 50-year period detailing. I mean, it's 200,000 words. It's, in, you know, it's incredible detail of all the terrible things that he's done over that time. And he doesn't feel that he has to answer to anything. So he gets on television and he says, if you disagree with me, you're anti-science. And, you know, I, anybody I, knows, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, anybody knows that has nothing to do with what science is. Science isn't something that you believe in a, in a person or a result I mean, I mean, you don't believe in science, you believe in the scientific process. And, and that's complicated and it's messy and they're peer reviewed studies by thousands of different doctors and scientists and they all disagree with each other. And then it gets closer and closer to, to, to something that might be helpful for public health. But Dr. Fauci clearly has no concern for public health. These are just, this is a book about the financial entanglements that he has with big pharmaceutical companies, 
and with all kinds of other people. And this is a book that people really need to read. And it, it's selling so quickly that it's hard to get in, in hardcover now. So if you look it up, it, it takes almost a month to, to, to get it. But you can download it for $2.99 instantly. And I on would highly recommend that. Yeah, like on the Kindle? or Yeah. yeah. I would definitely do that. We're going to post the links to this book in the interview because some people like me, they're a little old school. We like reading and flipping pages, but waiting that long because of the popularity is just phenomenal. Take us inside uh, Sky Horse Publishing real quick because you've worked with other numerous uh, authors like Woody Allen, Alan Dershowitz, and Alan Dershowitz has been running into the same kind of problem. Yeah, so we take a really strong stance against cancel culture or censorship of any kind. So we often publish books on both sides of the same issue. For example, we came out with Alan Dershowitz's book called The uh, Case for Vaccine Mandates. And then- yeah, I've always wanted to ask him about that book. <laughs> and and then, then we also came out from another prominent lawyer, the case against vaccine mandates. So if, if Dr. Fauci has a problem with anything in this book, in a democratic country, you know, where, where he's the most highly paid and the most senior public official in the country, he should answer these allegations. And the media ought to cover them and they ought to demand that he answer these questions and, and these allegations, because they're, they're very, very serious allegations of just wild financial entanglements that have you know everything to do with making money and nothing to do with public health. So you know, Dr. Fauci thinks that it's okay in this country to make one response, and his only response to this book so far has been to say that Mr. Kennedy is a very disturbed person. So you know, that's not a response, and that's, that's not a what personal attack. That's an ad hominem attack based yeah. on nothing. So he isn't even giving you any reasons why he believes that other than, once again, he believes that he represents science. And if you disagree with him, you're anti-science. When I, when I have discussions with liberals, and we just got done with Christmas, so I've had plenty of those discussions. And because I host the show, people want to ask me questions. And I quote them things, and they're like, well, that's just nonsense. I'm like, it is? It all came from the CDC website. So people would rather dismiss you and call it misinformation and insult you personally like some eight-year-old on a playground. Right. Instead of having the true debate, I hope Anthony Fauci gets cornered on this somewhere because when you're the highest paid unelected official in United States history, we have to take a look. We definitely have to take a look. And, and what's really scary is that, you know, you can take a place like the AP that does a hit, you know, does a terrible hit piece on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. simultaneously with the book coming out. Once again, don't mention the book or any of the allegations in the book, but they say everything bad you can think of about him. But more than that, they, they have six investigative re reporters doing this hit piece. And how many investigative reporters do they have reading the book? Zero. None. Absolutely none. But the power of the people have made this book number one, which is amazing. That's why, Tony, publishers like Skyhorse Publishing and alternative media sources are becoming more and more popular because we're tired of the mainstream and the politicians trying to control the, the narrative. We have the capabilities for alternative sources. We got to make that happen.
Sure. And I mean, more and more, you know, this is this is not even a question of being on the left or the right. You know, this is about right or wrong. And this is this is about being on the right side of history. Like this kind of censorship just can't happen in the United States. And people are tired of, of the mainstream media, which is just sort of one side or the other without any debate. Whereas, you know, people like you are are, you know, getting on shows and willing to or, or you know, having shows and willing to look at things from all points of view and actually have a democratic debate. Like with Alan Dershowitz, it would be a fun discussion with him and maybe a round table with the other author when you talk about the two different sides of the vaccines. People learn more that way, Tony. They absolutely do. Yeah, they would both love to get on your show and do just that. Well, let's work on that offline because we'll definitely do that. But the book is The Real Anthony Fauci, Tony Lyons, president and publisher of Skyhorse Publishing. Thank you for all you do, getting the sides out there. And it's wonderful to see the American people responding the way they are. That's great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. All right. We're going to post the book everywhere, guys. You stay with us on The Buff Show. We'll be right back. Veritas Tactical, Tactical. a family and law enforcement owned company where you can get custom built ARs with purpose built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Sig Sauer, Smith & Wesson and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses and force on force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full time gunsmith on site, Coding services, laser engraving and more mention the buff show and get a 25 dollars discount on courses you'll find veritas tactical at 207 north goldenrod road suite 200 in orlando contact veritas tactical 407-309-3000 407-309-3000 and at veritas tactical.com veritas tactical a boring website can make your company look really bad <laughs> Poor rankings on Google, Yahoo, and Bing means your company does not exist to thousands of monthly searchers. I'm not even on the front page. Come out of hiding with JJC Marketing Solutions and get found to more and more new customers every day. At JJC Marketing Solutions, they offer state-of-the-art website creation, Google SEO, PPC campaigns, and social media marketing that makes your company stand out. No need to go with those national companies that only care about you on the first call. JJC Marketing is located right here in Sanford, and the goal is to help businesses like yours succeed get better results call 321-765-7710 or visit them at jjcmarketingsolutions.com i'm somebody now jjc marketing solutions welcome back to the buff show am 950 94.9 the answer orlando my buff here in the liam fitzpatrick studio your headquarters for new year's eve party that's right the shamrock drops at midnight at Liam Fitzpatrick's in Lake Mary, and it's great to be with you. Looking back on 2021, and one thing about 2021 that was pretty remarkable was the incredibly low birth weight birth rate. Uh, Elon Musk says civilization is going to crumble if people don't have more children, and he says I think one of the biggest risks to civilization is the low birth rate. And the rapidly declining birth rate, Musk explained. So why don't we go to America's dad, Armin Brock, on the Buff Show. He's a spokesman for the Men's Health Network, author of The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the Toddler Years, and nationally published uh, columnist on manhood and fatherhood and host of Positive Pairing, a weekly talk show. Armin, great to have you on the show. Hey, great to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. 
So we look around the country in 2021 and we do see this declining, especially even in 2020. People were home, but they just weren't having chi- having children. <laughs> well, a lot of people were too sick to go to even think about uh, what, what it takes to actually make a child these days. Uh, but there's also just a lot of stuff out there in the news about the worries about the vaccine is going to affect fertility. So people aren't taking it. And then there there's this whole thing that we've got going on for the past few years of, of extreme wokeism, I guess you want to call it, where people are saying, I don't want to bring a child into this world where there's income inequality and racism and all this other stuff. So their solution is we're not going to have any kids, which is, as Elon Musk is saying, and I don't often agree with him on very much, but he, as he's saying, it, that's just a, an idiotic way to proceed. If you really don't like the way the world is today, the best thing you can do about it is have more kids and raise them so that they can be the kind of kids who change the world to make it a good place to be instead of throwing up your hands. Because what what we didn't talk about or what Elon didn't talk about and we'll hope we'll get to is the United States and Western societies are the places where the birth rate is low or declining and or declining and places that are that have cultures that I don't think we would like to be living in. Most of the, the Muslim majority countries, for example, we don't you know, we don't want to be living under the Taliban, but the ta- people are living in countries where the Taliban has taken over and ISIS has taken over have high birth rates. And those are going to be the cultures that are going to dominate if we refuse to do what we need to do, which is to have kids and change the world with our kids. Well, that is, that is the way to do it. When you talk about like AOC, for example, saying, I don't want to bring in the child into the world because of climate change. Some of us on the right say, you know, if you want to make that choice not to have kids, we're probably going to be okay with that. <laughs> well, somebody somebody like AOC, I'm, I'm happy that that she's not going to be having any more kids because she's not going to be raising them to to be the kinds of people that I would want to have my kids associating with. But I think for for most people who are not on the extremes of things, if you want to change the world, the only way to do it is to change the world. And rather than throw up your hands and say, well, we're just going to give it up. Because if we give it up, what we're doing is we're, for those who are having kids, we're making the world a worse place. Because not everybody is just going to completely stop having kids. A lot of people are going to keep doing it. Let's talk about your the new father and dad in other years. Okay. What are some important aspects dads can get out of this? Especially new dads having, you know, not any parental experience. Well, I think one of the things is is it fits in a little bit with, with, with today's world is technology. We have a tendency, I think you see this all the time. If you go out to restaurants anymore, you see kids are, are playing on their phones or playing on their parents' tablets from the time they're just a few months old. And that is a dangerous thing to be doing because what, what pediatricians and other researchers have found is that kids who are are raised with a lot of time on the phone or a lot of time on screens, starting when they're very, again, months old before they can walk or talk, they don't have the same kind of muscle control or or uh, coordination that other kids do. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? If, you're, if you've got a screen and you wanna drag something from one end to the other of the screen, you just put your finger on there and you drag it across. And then the two blocks go on top of each other and you can put a third one on top of that. But if you wanna, if you wanna do that in for real, if you want to stack a block on top of another one, you actually have to feel 
how does it go? If you have it too far over to one side, it's going to fall over. you got to move it around. So you, you learn how to use your muscles. But with the screens, we don't. And we are relying too much on technology to, to be raising our kids when we need to be doing that. So what do you too much playing on the phone. All of it. All of it. We really need to keep an eye on it. I mean, I understand completely. People need to take a shower. You need to make a phone call. All right. So you put your kid in front of the TV for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. That's okay. I'm talking about the hours a day, which is what happens. And what's what's going on, the way that kids learn how to speak, how to understand is a baby says baba. And dad can say, yeah, that's your bottle. Or no, you know what? That's what sheep say. And what does a duck say? And we, we engage them in conversation. We go back and forth and we slowly correct their mistakes. But if you park them in front of the TV, even if it's Sesame Street or some other kind of educational programming, they don't learn how to do that. They aren't getting the response to what they're saying. And so they aren't learning how to put sentences together. They aren't learning the language. They aren't learning how a story goes and how you're, how you can change your tone of voice to, to change what you're saying, the meaning of what you're saying. And it's, it's a sad thing. And there's actually been research on this. It's found that the more kids, more time kids spend in front of supposedly educational TV, the smaller the vocabularies. And kids with small vocabularies don't do as well in college or in high school for that matter. And they don't go on to college and it affects their job prospects, which is, is especially bad. I mean, it's especially bad for boys because what, what's going on right now is if you look at the, the data on this, the people who are in college are 60% female and 40% male. The degrees are about the same thing. So we're ending up with a, a bunch of boys and young men who are un, undereducated and uneducated, which is going to mean that we're going to have all these unemployed boys running around when they become men. It, we're, we're causing all sorts of problems that have long, long, long-term consequences. Do you think they yeah. put boys especially to go into trade schools? I don't think it's a problem at all. I, I don't think everybody belongs in college. Uh, I think that there, there are a lot of people who just college is not for everyone. And we're always going to need people who are mechanics or plumbers or roofers, electricians, people who have to do something in person with their hands. And absolutely, I, I, I wish I had more of those skills myself. But I think we need to be understanding that those that those jobs require training, whether it's on the job training or in a classroom training. And as more and more technology creeps into everything, even roofing and electronics, we certainly need to have kids who understand circuitry and they understand the, the mechanics of how things go together and they understand load weights. How much weight can you have on a floor on if you're building a deck or a, stair, a stairway or a second floor to your house? You, you may need to understand a little bit of math. So. I think that education is important and it can be certainly targeted to your career, but yeah, there's absolutely a place for trade schools and, and, and men, men in the trades or women in the trades. We're on with the book is uh, the new father, a dad guide to the toddler years. Let's talk about the lockdowns that we saw in 2020. And even still some cities are doing that push to stay home. Even today. Yeah. How does that affect kids not being able to interact with friends, go outside and play? How did that affect them in your view? I think it's affecting them negatively. And I'm not sure that there's a whole lot to be done about that. I think that the lockdowns were necessary 
I, I think we we have unfortunately suffered from a lack of a coherent messaging coming from the administration, coming from Dr. Fauci as an example, but a lot of other people. Uh, so we don't really know exactly what's going on. Uh, I, but I, I it, it makes me sad when I see little kids running around in masks and, and think about how they're gonna they're gonna remember their childhood with everybody wearing a mask, or you see family photos and everybody's got a mask on. I mean, there's something funny about it, but it's it's also sad. But I think also we've lost a lot of education. And I, I'm wondering how this is gonna play out in eight or 10 years when these kids who missed a whole year, or it's getting to be two years now of school and socialization, and how do you play with other people? How do you how do you solve your problems? How do you resolve a conflict on the on the playground? You don't have to resolve conflicts on the playground when everybody's in their own living room. Uh, so, so we're going to have all these kids who don't have social skills, and that that's I don't want to say scares me. I think it's it's repairable, but it concerns me, and I'm I'm glad that I don't have little kids growing up in this environment. My youngest is in college, and she's taking most of her classes online also. Yeah, no. We're lucky to go to school and not wear a mask. So that's a that's a good thing because it turns out they're all just fine. <laughs> well, that's the thing is is we we haven't really been paying much attention to the statistics on this that that young children especially are extremely unlikely to come down with COVID. Some do. And the more cases we get, we've got hundreds of millions of cases at this point, or not hundreds of millions, we've got millions and millions of cases of people who've had COVID, the more, the bigger that set gets, the more kids are going to be in there. But generally speaking, as a percentage, kids are extremely unlikely. And we haven't really paid that much attention to that. And we've, I think the intentions were good, is we want to protect the most vulnerable people in the society. And we think of our children as being the most vulnerable people. We want to protect them. But I think after after we've known what we know, which is the kids generally don't get it, there are other ways of taking precautions. I mean, certainly washing your hands, doing, I mean, do, doing basic things like that uh, are, are important. And, and understanding the effects on old people, which is exactly the opposite, is that the vast majority of deaths that we've had have been old people. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Where can people find your uh, positive parenting talk show? Uh, it's all, all of it is on mrdad.com, M-R-D-A-D.com. And you can find about 20 years worth of, uh, of radio shows there and information about the books and the columns that I do on, on men's health and also on fatherhood, parenting. Uh, it's all there. That's the clearinghouse for everything me. That is fantastic. Army Broach, a.k.a. Mr. Dad, thank you so much for joining us on the show and giving us this wonderful insight. Hey, thanks, Matt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Thanks for joining us on The Buff Show. We'll see you next time. Happy New Year.